0: Hello, coiners. couple things before we get started. There's a little issue with my audio track, and uh, so we used the backup. You're going to hear some zoomy glitches. You'll deal with that. The main thing I wanted to say for our next episode, the new girl, we're going to be sitting down with Melinda McGraw, a.k.a. Bobby Barrett. We're so excited. She's wonderful, and I just wanted to let you know that's coming up. Like us. Love us. Hit us up on the old Apple reviews, and... Come join us over on Patreon. Now let's get to it. Madmen, A term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it.
1: Good Friday.
0: Welcome to They Coined It.
1: We are coining it. We're here to coin it. We shall coin it. And when we're done, it will have been coined.
0: I swear about, to God. How about that? If I have to. Three coins in a Sunday?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> I always think of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles when I hear that title of a song. Come on. Um,
0: To my great shame. Come on. No, no, no. I, I know I was supposed to see it. You never uh, saw
1: Planes, t- Trains, and Automobiles?
0: I know. And I loved John Candy. It was Charles Grodin, right? It was Charles Grodin and John Candy. And who? Steve Martin and John
1: Candy. Will you please? This was What's the Charles Grodin
0: one? Okay. So I never saw that. And then there was another one. Was it De Niro and Grodin? Yeah, that's Midnight Run. Okay. Never saw either of them. Yeah. And clearly when you haven't seen them, you might mix them up.
1: Three coins in a fountain.
0: Never seen that either. Well, he, in in
1: oh, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I have to actually say this on a podcast that I'm a part. Are you of. breaking up with me? I, the, if I did, it would be over <laughs> is this, this. Is this the end? This would no, but not yeah, not a jury would convict me in all the land. Uh-huh. They're on a bus. You know, it's a blue collar crowd, and you've got John Candy, kind of the blue collar guy, and you got Steve Martin, who's playing against type, like this upper crest kind of upper middle class ad guy from Chicago, and they want to do a sing along. And, uh, you know, the, the, the scene starts and they're like clapping at the end of a song. Everybody's kind of in a good mood. It's this bus, of strangers, uh, Steve Martin, who's like the, you know, the, the, the uptight one of the, of the two. Oh, I've got one. I've got one. And he starts, everyone's quiet and he starts three coins in a fountain, like this old standard <laughs> the bus is crickets. And then John Candy starts, uh. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. Everybody, and everybody starts singing the Flintstones. <laughs> but anyway. All right, Roberta, I'll you'll look forward to not seeing that again for another 40 years. I mean... Listen, we've all got our cross to bear. Speaking of a cross to bear, it's Easter. It's Easter on that, man. Uh, Easter's coming. Easter's com- that's right. We're two weeks out of Easter. Three Sundays was written by Andre and Maria... Jacques Matin, my favorite last name in the world, (laughs) directed by Tim Hunter. Original air date, August 17th, 2008. It covers April 8th to 22nd, 1962.
0: You know, first of all, it had this interesting structure, this three Sundays structure.
1: It's the first that we're seeing that like sort of, I won't say obvious, but like almost look at me structure, right? Which none of the other episodes to this point, I don't think have had.
0: I swear that we have a new, a little bit of a new Bible uh, in having had that that discussion with Matt Zoller Seitz and and my sister Deborah as our season one finale. One of the things that got brought up a few times was how, after the the perfection and the tightness of the the jewel, the egg of season one, things started to get more expansive, including styles and sp- including experimentation so here we're starting to see it
1: and in a good way i think in a lot uh, in lesser hands in lesser hands it would be gimmicky and this is never gimmicky ever 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 gimmicky so the first number i've probably seen this episode half a dozen times over the years Uh, and most of those i was always the structure is what stood out as kind of like okay now we're moving to the second sunday or by the time we get to the third sunday everything kind of comes together and yeah you can watch it like that and it's rewarding like that but This time, maybe because it's been so long since the last time I've seen it, I I barely even noticed what Sunday we were on or where we were in that structure. It was just, I mean, it was a given that that's how it goes, but I was way more taken with with the episode thematically and what Mm. the characters were doing and saying and the way things connected together and some of those dots over the course of the hour. So it was a different experience this time.
0: This is, this is one of those episodes that is just a poem. It has so much texture and beauty and you get these different insights into, into people and to how they, they operate right down to an Easter egg at the end, right down to an Easter egg at the end, you know, a reminder, I, I, you know, I always want to set the stage of where we were when it aired, which is, we're still trying to figure out the fuck is going on with Peggy and her baby this is the start of where in, in the storytelling, it's, it's okay. It's more okay in this episode that we don't know. It's, it's, you're curious, Mm -hmm. but you're not like, it doesn't take away from the storytelling. You, you know that she's been through something and you are seeing it living in her emotional experience. Well, you're
1: seeing how it's affecting others like her family, like her sister, right? It's, it's, it's tearing at that part of her life and it becomes another thing for her to push through because she she knows it you know she's kind of she kind of has to be unapologetic about all the things that her sister is saying which is she just does what she wants or she's she's still uh, whatever she's uh, hung over or you know all these complaints right. um, to the mom and, and what she says in confession they're all probably factually true but as we know in families people can be petty and unforgiving if they want to they can also be uncharitable because whatever happened to the baby, right? We don't know. Did Anita take the baby? Is is Anita? You know, we might think perfectly reasonable as a viewer to think that Anita at this point is raising the baby. In which case, it that's is right. rubbing it in her face. Peggy living the life of a Peggy's yeah. freedom. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that would be yeah. that would truly be a tough
0: pill but to swallow. But you can but you can play it out. You can play it out either way because. Listen, what Anita did by planting that confession into Father Gill's ear was a shit thing to do. And Father Gill's, frankly, his response to it was not great. So you can play it out. If you play it out either way, Anita raising the baby has great reason to resent mm-hmm. Peggy right. for her seemingly consequence-free life. Anita not raising the baby, raising her own baby, saddled with a man who is you know, useless on the couch, you know, sort of playing by all the rules, doing what she's supposed to do. You can also see where that, and Be- Peggy goes and has gets herself knocked up, and and then p- gets rid of the, baby, yeah. you know, again. However, whichever it is, whatever it is, Peggy seems to have this consequence-free life. Now, Anita, that's a very shallow take.
1: The, se- the second, the second one.
0: It's a shallow take. It doesn't mean it's a terrible. It doesn't mean she's wrong to have this take. Human's gonna human.
1: Yeah, I, right? I think there's a, I think there's a vast difference in her feelings being justified between if she's raising her sister's baby and her sister's kind of rubbing her nose in her freedom versus whatever else may have happened where she's not, that baby is not in their lives. And now it's just, I'm bitter because I took this path and you took a different path. That's more petty. But the first one is kind of like, yeah, that wouldn't really be very cool of Peggy. You know, you're far more justified in your in your bitterness, perhaps. Perhaps. If your sister is watching you raise her baby and ignoring its existence virtually. that That's a tough one.
0: It goes back to the phrase that I deliberately, deliberately, deliberately used, which is consequence-free, to not notice that there are consequences for Peggy, that Peggy's, you know, we're seeing, we're watching it. We're going, there is an emotional toll here. But that, again, humans going to humans, you're going to be in your own little box and right. you're, and you know, and you're going to do what you're going to do. Again, what what she did with the confession was a shitty thing to do. There was one surprising thing. And also, which was that her take on Cath. Not just her take on it, that Catherine's actual response, that the mom's actual response was, oh, poor Peggy. She's whatever. I can't even remember yeah, what she no, said, she's treating but I her was, like the
1: baby of the family, which is very a real thing.
0: I was surprised that she was so sort of uh, kind hearted, but maybe it's because she's coming back to church. Maybe it's because she's got her in line in that way. I don't know, but I was that was a little surprising to me that to see Catherine not be hard on Peggy. There's a lot there
1: that's that that we can we can guess about its youngest child. It's it's you know, is it the favorite child? What was that house like growing up? How old was Peggy when her father died? You know, there's all these things that who the hell knows. There's a
0: lot about fathers we're going to get into for sure in this as a theme in this episode, but
1: in terms of Peggy's father, Catherine's catherine's husband that's not really part of this one he's not mentioned at all in this episode he's been mentioned previously it's come up but in a in an episode that particularly nails daddy issues and discusses all these things as we'll go through that wasn't part of it which you know in one way is interesting it's not like it's not unforgivable but it it could have easily been part of
0: that but it wasn't i really felt it though i really felt the missing dad in that house this time i guess because
1: it was such a theme
0: I felt his absence. I felt you've got, again, you've got yeah. Anita's husband on the couch. You've got, we're welcoming this man into our home, this little baby, this little baby Tom Hanks. <laughs> it's great. He's so
1: great. You know, Anita really rats her out to, to Father Gill. And what it kind of showed me was, you know, you think of Peggy's arc of, we're going to continue to see her development as a, as a writer, as a professional, as mad person. And everybody comes from somewhere. And Peggy comes from it, it it's not it's not too much different from a uh which is similar to probably uh what we're familiar with, Roberta, which would you know, the New York Jewish immigrant story of Lower East Side or some such thing, tight families, tight quarters, tight surroundings that can be stifling to a younger person. Hmm. And in Peggy's case, <clears throat> I say everybody comes from somewhere. She's from Bay Ridge, I suppose. She's from and Bay Ridge, it,
0: which is right near Bensonhurst, which is where both of my grandparents okay, yeah. were from. And
1: right?
0: um, which my mom always said was a Jewish and Italian neighborhood. My her friends were Jewish and mm-hmm, Italian.
1: Yep. It which very common in the five boroughs. So this environment is is suffocating. That's what I always kind of. That's the word that always that always hits is, you know, nothing's your own. I mean, it's like looking at. Saturday Night Fever and those scenes in the house and <laughs> in in that neighborhood, which is also Bay Ridge, frankly. And uh, we've mentioned mm, that before. That's right. Uh, but it's the same community, frankly, regardless of where it is. It's it's tight Italians. It's first or second generations. In this case, it's Irish or Scandinavian Irish, I suppose. And um, everybody's up in your business. Just, you know, the, the, the church and school and home and family and church and school and home and family. And for Peggy, who's got these, you know, dreams of things she's never seen, mm. it's mm. really got to be, it, it's sort of a superhuman effort to come out of that and, and, and work in the big wide world. So for them, it's, oh, Peggy's writing the words that go in ads. And Peggy's like, yeah, I want to land, uh, you know, an airline. <laughs>
0: there is also there's something that it that that is not captured in this community that sort of is the other side of what you're talking about. There's the stiflingness, but there's also um, there is your family. Your family lives close by. Your extended family lives close by, and I. There was always a freedom in the people that I've spoken to, and this would be my mother who grew up that way. I also have a friend my age, who moved from Brooklyn out to Jersey, and she had had her grandmother right there and her aunt right there, and and they both talked about, and other people I've heard talk about the, you could just after school or whatever, you could just walk over to grandma's, you could just yeah. walk over to aunt's, and and so there was a, or was and that, that little piece that
1: was everything's yeah, a trade-off. Was so, I, I didn't I mean just, to characterize it as only stifling I, I meant to characterize it in order for peggy to break out and be her own woman is, is not the same as as probably you know mo- most people's experiences be- because of this upbringing and you know i saw a huge remember a couple of years ago the, the film spotlight yeah and um having not grown up in in the church the the description of how um, some of these victims in the in the film talked with reporters. The common theme was among these victims of childhood sexual abuse were, um, you know, you don't understand, or they all understood because the writers were all Catholic. But like, you know, you have, mm. you have, to, you have to you have to remember, um, the father, or the Monsignor, or the whoever in in the church pays you some attention. That is. That is God paying attention to you. I mean, the the importance of the um, the clergyman right. spending time coming over, spending energy on what was was part of the the tremendous evil of the grooming of, of the story of Spotlight, of course. And so to me, it was like it's the exact same it's the exact same dynamic. Certainly there wasn't that that's not part of this story in, in Mad Men. That reverence for the, the father who comes over. Oh, you're not staying. Oh, yeah, let me let me make it like it's just as if God's walking in your front door. And that's, I'm sure, not too much of an exaggeration for for that generation. So so we got to see that here. And it was just amazing to watch.
0: You also saw it in Saturday Night Fever, right? The 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 one son is right. the priest. And, and, you know, normally that was, not normally, often that would be the gay son, but that wasn't the impression we got from mm-hmm. that film. Um, I also just throw out a recommendation if you've never seen Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan really, really gets into the, uh, I mean, it's a complicated and incredible series that unfortunately uh, got cut one season short, but it's all about the impact of the serialized, Oh, sexual wow. okay. abuse of the, of the church. Leah Schreiber. Leah Schreiber keeps making that his thing. Yeah, he was he uh, was in
1: spotlight as well.
0: Love, He was in spotlight. Love him. Um I wanted to say one thing about that wonderful dinner dinner scene afternoon, you know, supper whatever, Sunday supper. Um so there is the there there's the moment where Peggy uh, goes and gets the the wine whatever. What is she the after dinner drink? I can't remember what she's getting. Sherry. And I think I've men- I've even mentioned it before where she where she is she climbs up on the she climbs up on the on the kitchen counter? I am five foot two, and have been five foot two since I was eleven years old. And we're the ones who climb up on counters like that. Is just it's you learn how to do it early. You learn how to do it fast. And Matt knew that Matthew Weiner put that in. Absolutely knew that that was a, a part of who she is in her family. And. I guess they ran out of time on the schedule that day and that so and and, and didn't get to do that either that or, or they thought of it afterwards I, I don't recall which exactly from the story but that went they went back and filmed that separately <laughs> the scene of Peggy in the kitchen shouting and over her, her shoulder. calling out yeah. shouting shouting over her shoulder about oh father turn you know I guess it was nice for you to come over so I could find out that my family knew what I did for yeah. a living uh, that was all filmed on a separate That's day. Funny. Um, but it's just one, I, 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 I love Peggy, but I fell in love with Peggy when she climbed up that <laughs> counter. It's just how that goes.
1: This is the, the breeding ground for, for this talented writer making her way both as a woman and as a young professional at Sterling Cooper, um, but to see this end of it in such depth and with the clarity of who raised her and who her sibling is. Um, and when Anita has that moment, you know, the whole episode is Anita watching Peggy get, get the attention from father Gill, right? Wouldn't Anita's the one who would have wanted father Gill fawning over her, but Anita's a housewife in Brooklyn. She's just like every other parishioner. There is nothing, you know, if you're looking at it, if you're just meeting everyone, Peggy is going to stand out because she can help with the sermon and she can offer advice. And she's maybe a little younger and closer to Father Gill's age, whatever the case may be, all of them, I suppose. She's the one that gets attention. You could just see it burning Anita up inside when he gives her the speech to give to Peggy and she's just, just burning. So by the time she goes to that confession, man she's she's loaded for bear she, she's she's yeah. she yeah. she does not think twice about the um about ratting out Peggy about about the pregnancy again still not
0: she was very st- deliberate still with not it. telling
1: very much to the audience about what happened with that baby says that uh, seduced a married man, which technically he was not married yet
0: well, we don't know what they know
1: right but she's she has she has an incorrect statement it doesn't tell us more of the backstory it just gives us anita's perspective on it and, and all of that. And of course, it's not just a confession. She doesn't have to, you know, I don't know much about confession, but like, I'm angry is a confession.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And he, it was interesting because in, as far as I could, again, I, neither of us are, uh, have been to confession as far as I know. Um, But what he did with her seemed appropriate to me in the, in the moment of like, gear is steering her away from okay yeah you're you're angry and what he did with anita you know what i mean like what he did with anita within the confessional seemed the appropriate he you know seemed to be like yeah yeah yeah, that's not so much a confession let's talk about the part that is but then what he did afterwards was so what anita
1: said hit the mark i mean that was it was aimed perfectly And it and it hit the mark, and then you know when we get to that third Sunday and it's the Easter egg hunt and and the courtyard or whatever, you know I I I've had a lot of I've actually spent within the context of watching this episode a few times a lot of time thinking about that move Father Gill's move right Mm. and all I just you know and I can't seem to land on it being a a really nice thing to do. I think there might have been a decent intention behind it in a sort of 1960s catholic church kind of way but it still just seems at best like super passive aggressive in, a, in an inappropriate super. way
0: super manipulative. manipulative super and again going back to the spotlight going back to who these yeah. people are an abusive power you know, in, in it, its
1: own way right
0: it, An an abuse of power. Absolutely. An abuse of power. Absolutely. That is sacred information within that space. Mm -hmm. And he took it and used it to for, listen, the first thing he says to her, I just, I'm just putting this one together. Right. The first thing he says to her when they meet the first Sunday is, or what was it in the car on the way home when he was like, God put us together. Mm. Right. Like, like he, that wasn't the phrase, but he's, you know, what was it about the right? shit was it about the writing? And this is, this was kind of, he kind of gives it a, this is meant to be spin and that God, God, God had us meet for Mm. a reason, you know, so he, so part of it, I think if he believes that, if he believes that God put them together for a reason, and then Anita tells him what she tells him, he's, Oh, this is what I'm here for. I'm actually here to make an impact for her in this department. So part of it now, it's still manipulative. It's still absolutely right. a a breach of protocol for fucking sure. I mean, sure. this is a relationship, um, but it goes to the arrogance too. Of do, you know, it's not just it's the outsiders the that arrogance. see them as God. It's, he, it's steeped in the arrogance of God told me to do this because
1: that's what Th- this relationship has, and I, and I would say not in an inappropriate way, but it's it's crossed over the line between friendship and I'm your you're my parishioner and I'm your father.
0: Oh, from the and from from I suppose the beginning, that's yeah.
1: that's a good thing.
0: He made meets her out. In the hall, not in not from right. They not, didn't
1: meet right at the service right? per se. They didn't meet yeah, at, yeah. which is, is is telling, you're right. But there has been this sort of like we're friends, but we're also you're my congregant, and I'm your father, you know, father, uh uh clergy. My father, I know, and and but it's been sort of going back and forth this whole time. So if you were someone's friend and Anita as a friend tells you. Hey, friend, uh, you know, I'm just sick over this thing with my sister. Oh, what, what, Peggy, what's up? And then Anita says the exact same thing she told Father Gil. That friend might say, huh, boy, that's some big news. I didn't know that. And again, you know, whatever the context was, but that friend might go, you know what? I can't, I can't just go up to Peggy and say, hey, here's what I know. Even if my intentions are good, let me give it some time. Like you would not interject in that, in that, in that event, at least not right away, you certainly wouldn't think it was your place to just throw a comment out there.
0: I I actually disagree. I actually think that as a friend, you now are the person's friend and you now have this information about them and you can't betray the other friend's trust. So you, you, okay, I did this once. Ready? Everybody knew a friend of ours was having an affair with somebody. I was the literal last person to believe it. I was really tight with her and she was keeping it a secret from all of us, but everybody fucking knew this was during, we were doing a play and you know how, like when you do a play, like it's this same <sighs> cluster of whatever. And she was fucking whoever and like that. And, and then I found out and I was, and I was really tight with her. I was also a bit of a mentor. I was older than all of them. This was a bunch of 20 year olds and I was not. And I I did almost exactly that. I I mean I'm just I'm just remembering this now. I'm just putting this together. I did exactly that. I was like, my God, I have this information. She's over there suffering. I can't say like everybody's talking about it. And I pretended to be all psychic about it. Yeah. So it was manipulative and it 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 was manipulative and I I don't don't know what I would do today with the same kind of information and I try not to gossip in those ways, right? But but like really that's what I did and it ended up making a difference for her and I don't know what to say about that as a human. (laughs)
1: Right, and I don't know the details of of your friend's situation, but you mentioned she was suffering.
0: Peggy- Is suffering.
1: I don't think if your father Gil, you tell that right away. He didn't think she was suffering before Anita shared that information.
0: How can you not be, maybe? Well, I didn't either. I didn't think my friend was suffering until I found this out. And then I was like, oh God, this is terrible. Right. Like so, so, it was very so the clear. other half
1: of what I was saying, the first part is if you were the friend, because he's been friend and clergy alternating back and forth. If you're the friend, you might say, well, let me give it some time or let me figure out the right way to say something. Or if I feel like, but you wouldn't, swing in on a chandelier and feel like it's your job i mean you might because you're that's what you just said you did but I but did. i don't think but i
0: don't <laughs> i'm not saying it was good i don't i am not, saying I it, doesn't happen. About I'm not saying
1: it didn't happen with you huh? i'm just saying i think i think a friend would respect the fact that it may or may not be that friend's place based on that relationship especially they just met a week or two ago right
0: right right, right, right. that suddenly right.
1: now i'm the friend who's gonna who's gonna be your, whether it's a shoulder to cry on, or you can talk to me about anything or blah, blah, whatever it is. Even if you're a friend, you've known this woman for two weeks, ease into it. If you feel you have to get involved. Right. But,
0: but he's it, not, but he's a, not friend. a friend. He thinks it's I'm his,
1: the, I'm the head of this, i um, visiting whatever. And I'm close to you.
0: And I, I'm the, I'm the one who can say, who's here to right, save yourself. I
1: have to, um, I'm not doing my job. If I don't get all up in your shit, the way everybody else, you know, in your life here in Brooklyn is. And so that's why I fall on, even if there's he thinks there's a good intention, the institution in which he's a part of as the church, and I'm not like 100% anti-church, but at that time and in that community, it really seems that if you were part of that church, you felt it was your job to intervene, which is fucked up. That's the part that's fucked up.
0: That's fucked up. There's also, he is also this sort of new breed Right, uh, absolutely. Um, of, of what ends up being these sort of hippie activists.
1: Well, hippie or no hippie, he's doing the same thing his his boss would have
0: done. Right. No, that's right. I mean, we see that he's a new breed by the by the by the <laughs> by his insane grace. But you're right. There's that's the old school in him. Yeah, the institution the to, that, that's to...
1: not changing. The people entering it might be different. He's a, he's certainly reflective of that. But that is, I don't know. To me, it's it's. It's all part of the same presumptiveness of I'm here, I'm with the church, and I'm here to help.
0: Then, then you know, this does also set up what turns into a, like a season-long will they or won't they?
1: Yeah, I guess
0: I never, um, I never. It does. It, uh, oh, it absolutely it was on all, Peggy's it was face all, the
1: first time they meet. So she's bright, she, but I don't think Peggy's someone that's like susceptible to falling in love with her
0: priest. Uh, you know, I'm just, I, I just, I, no I, Campbell, we had our finger. Right, I know that. We had our <laughs> we had our finger on the pulse of the of the fan base at the time of the like people yeah, having no, these it. conversations and there was a lot oh, no. of will they or won't they which ultimately gets resolved in Fleabag season two okay the overarching theme that I see through this episode and there's a you know it's it's never. I've said this before. It's never like a one theme. It's it's not like you know at the beginning Grey's Anatomy. You get the voiceover. That's your theme. Here you go. Here's your theme. Go. So we do our best to extract what seems to be a theme or themes. And I definitely saw a lot of daddy issues. And and we've already talked about some of them. The the missing the missing father in Peggy's life. The new young father literal quote father Anita's husband you know what's the role of a dad and and, and all that so that brings us to Don and Betty Draper at one point Betty says my 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 father called today right just throw the, just throw that in there in case you know just to give us a little hint of what the theme might be we open on them with, with the two of them waking up, the phone ringing and, you know, and the canceling the plans and Don's all Randy and they're, they're having this sort of joyful connection. It's I'm always fascinated when I see Don and Betty be, being delighted in their, in their relationship, even. And then they just, that's it. We're going to spend the rest of the day getting
1: right.
0: it faced. I mean that vi- there's, there's little Sally, little Jeeves, right. Sally, you know, at filling that vodka up, and that's number two, right? So, like, they get hammered. But you know, debauchery or none, and and being a lot of people are hungover in this episode um, all the time. That just you know that gets mentioned once, as you had said about Peggy, and then it just it you just just obvious, right? And you and you kind of forget like these people are either drunk or hungover <laughs> a, a lot. lot. All yeah. of them, <laughs> like a lot. But, you know, he, he, again, debauchery aside, they they choose to just spend this day being, you know, having having drinks and having fun and being yeah, a couple. And, you know, cute. and then they're in the living room listening to Perry Como. And yeah, it was really charming. Then we get into Bobby Draper. It, it got started in an earlier episode. And now here we are. And we we now see him lying. Right. We do see that Betty is correct that he's not only getting into trouble constantly, but he's lying to her face about it. and you could see you know living in a living in a time when there are a lot of lies <laughs> coming out of larger platforms in our world the, the frustration of that of that you, you know how do you work with that bobby don't do that i didn't do it is a you could see the frustration building but where betty puts this frustration is is don is not doing his job as a father He's not there enough. He doesn't participate enough. You know, sticking Sally with him to go to work is is one piece of that. You've got to take her. And there's clearly some, or maybe not clearly, but there's some projection there. That little lying Bobby. No, there,
1: there's projection in terms of <clears throat> what she's upset with Bobby for, clearly. But you mentioned earlier about the comment, even though it was a throwaway, my father called and I think it was like he's doing better or he's not recovering, but you know, whatever, there was some ailment that's right, yes. and there's been a that's theme right. of his being ill, you know, this season, especially. Yes.
0: And after having lost her mother yeah. now, so her, now so, her
1: father. So yeah. I don't think there's a, I, I think this is a consistent type of concern in Betty's life of the role of the father. My father would have mm-hmm. done this way. And now that the kids are a certain age and that's the son um, I want my husband to be at the father that I had. Right, that's why she compares Don to you know, if my dad. My mom said my dad was coming home, but but but. So I think there's also the 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 underlying cause of her frustration with with Don, not just Bobby's behavior, but it's you know she's concerned about her dad's health and that he's not going to be around forever. And when he's gone, you've got Don who doesn't live up in her mind to 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 her father's parenting. Whole nother story there, but. I just think within this episode, there's that, there's this little tempest of, of what's going on.
0: I can't remember the line now. Didn't, didn't, you know, you're, I'm sure your father hitting you made you a better person. Yeah, you you, right? you would be the man you if your man. dad didn't hit you. Thank you. And I, I, I found that fascinating first as a principle, which feels foreign to me, even though I know it is a commonly hear, held principle, but also, ears.
1: I mean, that's the difference.
0: There are still people who, believe that of themselves. People, my peers. Matthew McConaughey
1: just came out with a memoir. I haven't read it yet, but uh, he's done enough interviews now where I've heard him talking about it And it's very explicit about the fact that there was violence in his house and his take mm-hmm. on it. Isn't what you would think he, what he he's, he does not look at himself as a victim of domestic violence. He looks at himself as that was my parents. That's how it went. The things, you know, there was always love. It was never, it was, it was never just this darkness, there was there was a balance. And I think, again, with modern ears, we look at that and go, that even if he's okay, seemingly, or he's saying he's okay, there's something that doesn't quite sound right about that because
0: we don't- Remind me not to date Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> yes. I'm going to write, I'm gonna write that right. down. Yeah. We all need reminders. <laughs> Put it in my the,
1: calendar. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and his story is his story. So this isn't about saying whether Matthew McConaughey- should feel this or should feel that. But it is about saying, to your point, even today, there are people who don't, who who take that idea of oh, spare the rod, spoil the child, so to speak. It It's not a clear cut thing. I mean, I think we're, we're certainly moving in a more enlightened direction and Matthew, even in these interviews says, this isn't how I raise my kids. I'm not, it's not like I'm carrying that forward, but my attitude toward my upbringing is kind of stuck to where it was when I was a kid, not, it hasn't really evolved too much, so, so yeah. So, so I think that's reflected a little bit in in Betty's tone.
0: I don't want to get I don't want to get too into the 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 parsing of this, but there is an argument to be made that there is a distinction between a spanking, mm-hmm. right,
1: and a beating, <laughs>
0: and other a kind of beating, right. And what what was interesting was Betty just assuming that everybody is disciplined the same. And that was her assumption in what she said to Don. Of course, of course, you're appreciative of whatever was done to you. And then he came back with, "No, honey, that's actually not how it, it went." And I think that was, I mean, who knows what that did in her mind? To, in, you know, ranging from maybe some embarrassment and and some, you know, hopefully some sympathy and well, like just- you know being moved by it. And all, but also one more like don't know this guy. Right. So That's there's the a, little, circle, a little a right? little of that, right? That's but the, exactly but, but
1: but what's so great about how this show explores these issues is that the reality is as a larger society, but also within our bedrooms and so forth, we move forward on certain issues that were very much in the dark, whether it's child rearing and corporal punishment, to how we talk about illness and when a family member gets ill, you're seeing Betty deal with it a certain way. You see Don's philosophy, which is caveman. So you 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 just see how like these things evolve, right? The way we talk about things, the way we talk about our upbringing, the way we talk about what went wrong. I mean, a modern Don and Betty, I don't know what that would be, but a, a, I don't a modern, a <laughs> like modern, the mind a modern guy who's in his 30s, but when he meets Betty and they're in their 20s, the fact that his father beat him would have come up earlier on. It's 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 not something we don't yeah, talk about.
0: For, yeah, it is not something we don't talk about. Right. That's it's per, right. It's perfect. I mean, no, well, no, no,
1: no. But but the yes, reason so it wasn't no. talked about, and there's shame, and there's certain kinds of things that don't change. I mean, these are human. This is the human condition. But my the shame overtook the impulse to share, or or even a feeling that. I I need to get this out in order to be healed and my relationships the rest of my life need to, this needs to be open to that. That wasn't there yet. So we'd still feel the shame perhaps getting through it, but we'd feel okay sharing it with the right people in our lives at a certain point. You would think I'm speaking broadly. I mean, I'm obviously.
0: Right. So I want to say two things. One to that specifically is, in my bubble, that's the case in, in, in a, uh, a certain, um, income bracket of white people that kind of evolved might be the case. I don't know the grander we, so I just always want to check our privilege on that. Like we just, I forget, I forget who other people are, but you know, I know there's plenty of people still not sharing that stuff. Right. Right. Or, or protecting it, still protecting it. Like, no, I like defending it. Like, I was raised that way and it's fine. And again, these aren't, you know. But the other thing that, that about Don sharing that, and you're right, it took, I, I maybe it took some shame. But what you see in this episode, ultimately in Don, in his family, is the boundaries. The walls of the protection around the existence of Dick Whitman and that secret are starting to come down because Bobby Draper now, he already knows a little about who Don's daddy was. And I don't think that would have happened two years ago. I think that w- the events of season, and again, we, we, there's a, there's a missing 14 mm. months. We haven't seen evolutions, but I think this, this, this marker, that last com there's that last conversation with Bobby. Uh, we need to get you a new daddy, you know, that beautiful, you know, what, what did, what did he like to eat ham? And and you just see the child of Don, you see the pain that he's in You see the love for his mm. own son and not wanting to make that mistake. These the same mistakes, but his own he's reactivated, he's so childlike in his posture. I, I, something's really shifting. The Again, the walls between Dick Whitman and Don Draper are, are starting to, to come down, starting to thin. And I think that's a beautiful thing.
1: I'm sorry. It's okay. Dads get mad sometimes.
0: Did your daddy get mad? He did. What did your daddy look like? Like me, but bigger. What did he like to eat?
1: Ham. And this candy I tasted like violets. And a beautiful purple and silver package. What did he do? I told you he was a farmer.
0: But he died. A long time ago. You have to get you and your daddy.
1: You know, part of that is the events of Adam coming back and those walls coming, falling down, uh, somewhat out of Don's control then the fact that Don's a married father of two means life's going to intrude naturally. His son's going to grow. Sons, and I, I assume it's like this with daughters too. I have one of each, but my son is-
0: And and a dog, Mo. That's, that's Hi, right. Mo.
1: She cares less about my upbringing. <laughs> as a father of a son, and as the son of a father, mm. the um, the fascination with how your dad- grew up is a very Mm. real thing the questions the curiosity that like endless needing to put this picture together of your dad just i I won't even get into the the variety and the range of Mm. the conversations and the questions and the the digging deeper and probing for details of all kinds of things you know that scene if it was written by the Jacques Matans in this case. I mean, that is a very perceptive and informed uh, set of observations to, to to that conversation is not random. It's not out of the blue. It's no perfectly and it's exactly placed. the right
0: age to it doesn't um, stop. Kids that no age. It, it goes right but, through
1: adulthood. I'm
0: but kid yes, I to your to what you're describing, the father, the specific father something but kids that age get very very curious who was grandpa who was grandma who wait daddy daddy and aunt roberta are brother and sister and they they play that they do that mapping constantly they want to hear it again and again and again so in both ways i think it's exactly right
1: but i'm saying the fascination with your father is yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. no that's
0: specific that's something specific uh, but i'm
1: saying it's it's i think it's universal you know when when you're when you if you're if you're growing up with your father, those questions are just universal. Yeah. know. it's just asking them to your father is universal. If your father's not there, I think the questions are still there. You just don't have someone to answer them. So with this, and, and it's interesting when they're talking and he says, What did what did your father do? He says, I told mm. you he's a farmer. So they've had this conversation before. Right
0: that's what i'm saying that's where i was like oh that's where i was like the walls have been coming down on don but you're they they, probably they had
1: a conversation about don's dad you know three four months ago and now it's now it's a different conversation but it includes don's dad so it's i told you he was a farmer you know what did he like and you know all just the whole thing so the daddy issues and the theme of that i mean this this is like the the central <laughs> the central psychological gold nugget of, of, of that theme so you know beautifully done N- no no shows explore this besides besides mad men
0: not at, well not at, not with this kind of subtlety let's take a break so a big
1: part of this one of the sundays is spent it's palm sunday actually the middle sunday is spent at the office and in addition to finding out how everybody dresses when they're not at the office, I'm talking to you, Pete, we really get a, a this is a whole, you know, all hands on deck, American airlines moved up the pitch. It, another madman, you know, pull the rug out plot point is of course when everyone puts all this effort in and they get to the day of the pitch and the guy that's their champion on the, on the business uh, has been fired. Shell Keneally, the famous Shell Keneally. So you know that's One of those great that's the, the plot of it. But we we see so much about for
0: some
1: for something that Roger's really not that involved in. <laughs> we we learn a lot about Roger through that pitch. I mean, there's a lot about that pitch we want to talk about. But I'm actually going to start with Roger because you know we see Roger out where he bumps into Kenny and Pete, and there's a uh, a call girl with the client that they've arranged, and and Roger immediately spots the fact that. Um, something's something's a little off although he seems to fall for well, it does,
0: i don't know if he does he he seemed he he seemed to fall for it and it was hard to tell uh, i mean no, unless he, he was it, fishing he unless was he off. never fell for it but he yeah he definitely liked her oh she's she's his type <laughs> <He> <laughs> definitely liked her from no, the get-go no, no, she's yeah. his type
1: well, well no no question about that you know <laughs> so i know this is off the, the american airlines thing but we, that will definitely come back but the the bit with roger and this vicky there's so many instances where we see, as we've talked about and highlighted the hooker thing, the prostitution thing. It's a metaphor for the industry. It's a metaphor for Pete, you know, all these different things, but it's it's you know now we're at the point we're over that hump. we are we are full on running into
0: hookers, hookers with our
1: clients, whether Roger picks up on it or not. And it's all very, you know, and then and then he comes back the next day and is asking. <laughs> ask. Is she going to be with him? So yeah, that's evidence that he did, did did indeed fall for it.
0: But you know, when we do our little game of dominoes,
1: mm-hmm. okay,
0: I know, um, right, right, right. The going back to Sunday one was little girls, grown up. Was, right. little girls mm-hmm. grown up was was uh, Roger feeling powerless old. in his own family. He's feeling old. You've got you've got. We need to. You know, we've got basically. um their engagement dinner Mm -hmm. if you will and and Mona being such a a (laughs) dame right you know again another matriarch and and then you've got elsewhere you've got Roger you know give me one cigarette and you know Roger is feeling powerless in his life and sort of sent out to pasture and you know what's fascinating about the I mean disgusting and fascinating about this about the scene with Vicky about the ultimate scene with Vicky when he when he meets up with her is how he, I mean, again, we've already talked about in this episode, manipulation. You can't help, but see that there. I mean, he's blatantly, he's not being passive aggressive with her. I mean, well, kind of, it's like, Oh, please. Oh, please. There's, there's some passive aggressive, well, and, you know, but
1: pick up on it. And
0: yeah, but he really, he wants this to be a date. Right. He wants this to feel chasing like the first cigarette manse and chasing the first yeah. cigarette. I mean, that was not a subtle yeah. That that little speech, yeah. uh, and that and that, like uh, which, which I have right here. Don't you, don't you love the chase? Sometimes it doesn't work out. Those are the stakes. But when it does work, it's like having that first cigarette. Now this is his talking about it's having his, lost. It, it that's his tombstone. Outreach, he's right, reading. but it's it's, it's, it's everything. Yeah. It's, yeah. your head gets all dizzy. Your heart pounds. Your knees go weak. Remember that old business is just old business. So obviously that's not even subtle what we're talking no, about. No, it's Roger's like, philosophy of it life. Is, but he just has to have this be a date, the you know, and he's not afraid to talk about the money with her. But he, your invoice has crossed to be a desk, date. We're right. going to dinner. We're yeah, exactly. So it's <laughs> no, really it's, it's, it's done. Um, it
1: it's so slick and sly. this show ew. again introducing that element, this prostitution element as just normal course of business, to the point where he comes in to talk about a hooker to Pete's office. Or Ken's office, wherever they were, gets acknowledged that you know Ken's like I've got lots of numbers, and he leaves right. by being like you know he he exits by saying keep up the good work, keep whoring boys, <laughs> keep right. keep right, up right. the whoring, <laughs> we're,
0: we're, right? Keep pimping, <laughs> keep keep matchmaking with the whore. Yeah, right. it's, the more whoring we it's, do, it's
1: the more successful we're going to be. Not right. ambiguous. So, so right.
0: And then how does that work out for them in their business? Well,
1: for a while it's fine.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, let's get back to Well, Gortons. This how this whole how this whole thing went with with well, yeah, different
1: different different strain of the of the, of the plot, whore. but yeah. um <laughs> No, so they get they get the rug pulled out from under them in perfect Mad Men style. And Again, visually, it didn't really happen in season 1, but I think from season 2 on there is some sort of surprise unexpected moment where we get like that beautiful portrait of the cast and doing something in character. (laughs) So here (laughs) it's the doors to the, the conference room open and, uh, uh, where Brent they're Cooper's all they in, 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 the, in the middle in the front everybody's arrayed around him behind him and it's a perfect portrait and you can you could google mad men and this shot will come up probably that's right and it's it, and you see it again every season has like something where it's just it's organic yeah. and it's unexpected and it's pretty as a picture and you go god this fucking show
0: well this wasn't in fairness this wasn't organic this was this was their po i mean they went they they spent all their time rehearsing oh this yeah was, no no, no and, I, and this is what you do on a more organic you to watching the story so than, it was, than it was within yes, exactly. the story exactly because yeah i just want they were right
1: they were uh in in yeah. in places for the
0: in places <laughs> and it was great so
1: this whole thing is just brilliant to watch and and sally comes in because she has to be with don and don gives this this speech right during the lunch hour or the dinner hour whatever it was ask not you know this and this Kennedy thing and Cuba didn't happen to us and this plane crash didn't happen to us.
0: I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about and that's one of those things where I thought it was just me the first time but it was incoherent American Airlines
1: is not about the past any more than America is ask not about Cuba ask not about the bomb we're going to the moon throw everything out Everything? There is no such thing as American history, only a frontier. That crash happened to somebody else. It's not about apologies for what happened. It's about those seven men in the room on Friday and what airline they are going to be running. So what does that mean? Let's pretend we know what 1963 looks like. It's just classic American denialism. It's Don's whole life. It's Don's whole life. Uh, Dick Whitman was a poor kid in the farm and got beat by his dad. Don Draper is this success story, you know, from Korea or whatever. Like it's total denialism. I mean, it's by definition, he's saying that happened to someone else. Bullshit. Right. (laughs) No one's going to buy that, but it is, it is. I keep saying classic. It is textbook. And I'll say it's American because it's just this impulse to pave over Whatever our problems are, whether it was your dad beating the shit out of you or whatever it is, that didn't happen to me. We're we're right.
0: That didn't. That was a different. The we're the airline. Yeah, we got to show them what 1963 looks yeah. like. So that was the point of the speech, and I get that that was the point of the speech. But I have to tell you that speech until it finally came together in those last few moments was fucking incoherent and that kept being like it was like don was coming out and making one of his yeah. don speeches and you're waiting for like lucky strike in this moment of like and you're kind of like what yeah. and everybody's face is like what and the whole process has been that way i thought that was so interesting like the, see, like nobody has a yeah that's what he says that, when they're right, bringing he's
1: like i feel like i have the pieces but right, i don't have we, the full picture
0: I don't know. I don't know what we're building. And you got Sal really nervous when he yeah, was Sal showing was like, him what he had done. Like everybody was all over the yeah. place. It was very um and I, I, I don't really know what that meant. I mean,
1: it was just general anxiety. That
0: sometimes it can go I mean, that it was way. Just
1: general anxiety yeah. over the over the whole. Thing. Yeah. And and of course, <laughs> the most amazing part of the writing is as you say, it ties together at the very end. We're gonna act like we know what 1963 looks like name one thing that happened in 1963 like That's there's right. one event to really top <laughs> right. this off right.
0: it's also it's not very far reaching it's
1: 1962 <laughs> it's q2 people it's April
0: right. of yeah it's like it's not like super ambitious it's not like we're gonna we're show up oh, right we're out what 19- jumping to the
1: part where where we're past it
0: again it's not that ambitious it's not let's show him what 1970 looks like right, right. it doesn't work
1: for pandemics and it doesn't work for plane crashes thank you for getting him out of here for the day lose the gun and get yourself some dinner
0: he won't remember firing you you had, the, you had all those different little vignettes you had the sally moments you know sally torturing joan and joan right away like oh, of course i'm the fucking babysitter mm-hmm. and the look on her face with that where she kept her face steady mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. the like are you kidding me and you know so you've got uh sally talking with paul and getting getting into sexual topics i mean you know also perfectly age-appropriate line of questioning Mm -hmm. like your boobs and your right i mean you've got the gum chewing incident where where they send bert home you've got sally passed out on the couch because she's been drinking peggy
1: eating with the bosses peggy (laughs) eating with
0: the bosses and then Joan Joan saying to one of the I don't remember who she's who she says it to. Yeah, you actually think she's talking about Sally first. Like I can't remember how. how I, it, it's a little bit of a you're not quite sure who she's talking about. You know, but what she's saying is, yeah, Sally. Uh, um, I res. She says I respect her for coming in and working on a Sunday.
1: No, I think she's making the joke. She's being ironic. She's here on a Sunday, and I respect that.
0: I, she's here on a Sunday, and I respect that. But she she gets to eat with the big. You know, she gets to eat with the. What? Was
1: that the line? I thought I had something she's
0: talking about Peggy.
1: I thought she said she makes yes. she makes more than all of us or something.
0: She makes more than all I of us. She was talking ta- about Peggy.
1: Oh, you know what? I never picked. I really thought she was talking about Sally. Like I thought she was making see? a joke about Sally because she's Don's daughter. No, I
0: always that's okay. So it's still see, I think that's a little confusing.
1: Now I have to watch that again. I never saw that. I
0: always thought that was confusing, and I was actually here saying, "See that confusion is cleared up now." But apparently not. So good to know. You're saying oh, it's that not the just, whole it wasn't thing is about Peggy. Yeah, she's paying no attention to the fact that Sally is there. She, they are talking about they're Peggy. Standing we over Sally in in the middle. Sally. They're not looking at Sally. We're looking at Sally.
1: It looks like they're looking. They're, at lo- They're Sally. talking to each other.
0: They don't give a shit about Sally. They're just but they're talking in the about, same they're room with in the Sally. Middle passed of a- out, right? Yeah. Okay. But they're but they're just wow, having a that's conversation a, about that's Peggy. A
1: real, that's a real no look pass. I didn't-
0: Yeah. Again, I think- listen, No, that could
1: totally work. I, I, I never thought of it that way.
0: As great as this show is, every once in a while, it misses the mark on what it's trying to communicate. Well, yeah.
1: People
0: are allowed to make mistakes and that was one of them. If you were still confused all these years later, that to, that conversation- I thought, was-
1: I thought she was being ironic, like making a joke about nope. Sally coming in on a Sunday. But still making more than everyone. That's what I thought
0: too. But the, but the, and I think maybe it was supposed to fool you for a second, but you're supposed to fully switch to understanding what they're really okay. talking about. And clearly that was a fail.
1: To have it in there as it is, knowing that it's confusing, I think is funny too. <laughs> like, like, like you figure out that we're talking about Peggy.
0: But if you never do, then how is it that it doesn't work? It's fine. Then it it works the other way too. But I I think- I think you give too much credit on this one. (laughs) Maybe.
1: I could be. I'm guilty of that.
0: I think they missed. (laughs) Okay. So, hey, let's uh, take one more quick break. We will come back and talk about our quotes. What's your quote, Roberta? I wrote an entire piece on this quote uh, and we can link to it. I'm in a very good mood. I, first of all, that actress is just fucking wonderful. And I, sorry, do not have her name handy. That every bit of that performance is exquisite. But I, that line does so much to control the mood, to set the stage. She clearly like learned it once she figured it out. She either, you know, either, either somebody mentored mm-hmm. her with it or she, you know, came up with it on her own, but it's like the perfect thing to say. And, and we already saw she was very talented in, this, that, <laughs> no, you know, in that area, where, you know, yeah. with, with how she handled her client and, and, and everybody but that's around what Roger
1: her loves. I think that's what yeah. absolutely endeared her to Roger. That's how you get Roger's heart is, quick on your feet and a the quick line and light and make everybody feel great and happy. If, even if they don't know why that that's her job and that's his job too.
0: It sets the stage. It feels genuine. Yeah. Even if it feels not genuine, it's effective. It's going to put you in a very good mood. It is, it is disarming. It is. And I, and I thought the my other i mean i've just thought about this line so many times i've said it i it's a i, I keep saying you know i mean maybe i may, i may have to stop this business of me saying that i don't quote madmen because <laughs> i do quote. turns out i do quote madmen. but i also think it's a little bit of self-talk
1: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: like i gotta i gotta fuck this guy right. you know this really helps me get get there with him i'm in a very you know. good
1: mood i'm certainly not miserable wondering about my life choices I'm in a yeah. very good mood.
0: No, I, you know, and listen, I don't. I don't want to knock sex workers. She may not be knocking her her life choices. She, but she doesn't.
1: Just tell herself she's in a good mood every day, though. You
0: know, but yeah, I'm. I'm in a very yeah. Good that's
1: mood. not just a regular affirmation. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I'll, I'll I'll you mentioned earlier, which I love the the domino of the dinner with Margaret and her fiance Brooks, Brooke or Brooks, Brooks. margaret and brooks Brooks. (laughs) we met on the tennis court at the country club Uh, margaret and brooks the the engagement dinner and roger feeling old and losing power so that dinner where they're talking about what are you going to eat all of them what is it the muscles or something and what's the talk with vicky she says uh the prices have changed the menu is the same
0: Right, nice. (laughs) Which
1: again, I didn't even put those two elements together until you mentioned it. Very
0: good. That's very good.
1: Boy, oh boy! You know,
0: again, daddy issues. Daddy Daddy issues issues everywhere.
1: And and the reason why, also, and I'm the first to say, like, well, you can look too much into it, or you can put together stuff that don't belong, and that's fine. And we all, you know, chew on this thing forever, as we say. But.
0: No, but menu and menu is-
1: That's a choice. You did not have to put that menu comment in the conversation with Roger. There was, n- right. was and not, it's, too,
0: it's Roger and- yeah. It's not no, no, like no.
1: two mandatory things that wrong. have to go together. It was not that way. The menu thing was a choice.
0: No, that's very good.
1: Okay, so my quote, Catherine Olson. <laughs> that was beautiful. Are you going to say grace now? So talk about grand dame. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you after after our, uh, after we recorded last week's episode and then I sat down and watched this, I absolutely <laughs> thought of you when, when she said it.
1: <laughs> but here's the thing. there's so much about it, right? Because first of all just on, on on the one level on the first dimension is that's not grace. this is how you say grace, right But Father Gill's not like her son or her nephew or somebody in the family that she's chiding. This is the guest of honor.
0: Yet. Again, we've we've talked about how much right. he is this on is this God pedestal and door. she has no. She, <laughs> Undeterred about
1: by the presence down. of clergy in the home. <laughs> he's the visiting father. He's younger. He's this hippie, whatever, whatever, plays the guitar. So he's this young, young pup. And Catherine Olson from Bay Ridge, who's been there for whatever it is, 60 of her 62 years, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> She, she, although she does seem a little old for Peggy being so. Oh, I guess Anita's older. Anita's probably thirty, right?
0: Everybody looks older too. I know. I mean, so she she might be like in her mid fifties. So okay. So if so if Cat if uh what Peggy's around twenty two. I'm twenty two or twenty three. No more than twenty two. But yes, I mean Anita has three kids Mm -hmm. in her presence. Mm -hmm. Is it three? I think so. Are there three? I mean, she could. She could technically. Wait, how old does the oldest kid look? 10, 11, blah, blah, blah. She could be in her She could be in her early, early 30s, 30s, right? Which, I mean,
1: which,
0: she would have had all of this right. Catholic. She would have had them all young, young. married young and had so them Catherine all young.
1: Can't be more she could, than- She could probably, got, she probably got, got married mid, when- Can't be more than mid-50s.
0: Oh, here's a thought. And it, it. I mean, I know this sounds, this is presumptuous, but it is very possible that Anita, part of Anita's resentment is that she married the guy who knocked her up. Yeah, that could be too. Right? I mean that's Not that is so all. classic from, from from that era. Yeah. Anyway, so she so she she could be early. She could be thirty, thirty to okay, thirty-five, so, but she's an all so, likely 30 so Sixty two so Catherine. Catherine is 20.
1: is a little to have her first child at in the thirties, that doesn't
0: happen. Well, no, so she'd be fit right. she if she was twenty yeah she'd be more she'd likely have be been 19 or 20 yeah. she'd be early to mid 50s early to mid 50s but that's what
1: that looks yeah so that's she looks a little old for me for early 50s even for then, yeah, maybe not yeah but anyway it's fun to talk about but yeah she is the she is rule she does rule the roost and pipsqueak father gill is not going to get away with that hippie bullshit <laughs> in her dining room so
0: I don't care who the fuck it, you are. It is a <laughs> it is a
1: backhand across the chops, oof, uh, from Katie Olsen, and that is <laughs> you know it's like again my ritual. You cannot you cannot squeeze more out of that response, and he dutifully right stands right up. I know what you mean. It'll never happen again, ma'am. Uh, you know you. It's just there's so much behind that whole exchange. That uh, man, oh man, that is that is some great stuff to watch. I don't, I, I don't know if the Jacques Matanz. If that's, I'd love to know where that came from. That came from someplace. <laughs> that yeah. was a, that was a real, a real life moment, right? I mean, it gotta be, gotta yeah. be. That's yeah, just yeah, great. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That was so great. I, was I, just,
1: I, that was perfect. I, 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 smile broadly and and laugh out loud every single time I see that. So great stuff.
0: All right, man. That was three friggin sundays and next time is the new girl which is another hufa. po it's it's not even a poem it's a it's a play it's it's very much a play a really incredible episode a lot starts to get revealed mm-hmm. melinda mcgraw will be joining us <laughs> so thanks so much for listening we will see you next time betcha bye-bye if you're enjoying our show please give us a glowing review on apple podcasts and share the show on social media and if you're able to support us you can subscribe at patreon.com slash they coined it we've got some extra content there for you we love hearing from our listeners you can send your thoughts or questions to questions at tcimadmenhod.com or check in with us on twitter and instagram at tcimadmenpod we're just at the beginning we can't wait to discuss more madmen with you and continue bringing in special guests. Thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next episode.